Hello and welcome back to the F1 Strategy Report ahead of the 2020 season. My name's Michael Laminato and this is a recap of the 2019 Austrian and Hungarian Grand Prix for Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Mercedes had won all eight of the opening races and Lewis Hamilton had built a comfortable championship buffer over teammate Valtteri Bottas, but the developing European heatwave was about to upend the form guide. The Silver Arrows struggled with cooling in the warm, high-altitude climbs, and as a result, the way seemed clear for Ferrari's Charles Leclerc to convert his maiden pole position into victory. But the Scuderia didn't realise Max Verstappen presented a threat. The Dutchman had crashed during practice, so no one had a read on Red Bull Racing's race pace, and a poor start seemingly counted him out when he fell to seventh at lights out. It culminated in a thrilling late-race duel between Verstappen and Leclerc, and I caught up after the race with now Autosport F1 reporter Luke Smith to discuss how Max got the job done with three laps to spare. The skies were wonderful in blue and that was actually to our advantage. Not so much to the advantage of Mercedes though. This We didn't expect them to suffer quite as much as they did because of the heat. Here in Austria, uh, obviously we're running a, a fairly high altitude for a European race as mm. well, so that comes into it. And uh, a short circuit, meaning you're always pretty much going to be stuck in some kind of traffic. Um, and it did play a big role that they really had to sort of, I think, pull off some of the performance of the car just to deal with all of these uh, overheating and cooling issues that it was facing. This was a poll for Charles Leclerc, his career second, Ferrari's third of the season looked like maybe that was going to finally deliver his maiden victory but interesting in qualifying was that we had this real divergence in entire strategy was the two Mercedes and Max Verstappen choosing that medium tyre and that sort of split opinion amongst the teams and even people watching whether or not that was going to be the right decision. So Ferrari went for the softs and uh, we saw with uh, Charles Leclerc through the first stint that they were able to pull away quite nicely from the rest of the pack and we didn't see any massive drop off towards the end of Leclerc's stint. This first phase of the race really set up Max Verstappen's win without him being involved at all and with a numerical advantage and not realising how much they're going to suffer on in the heat. They used that advantage to be able to pressure Leclerc into stopping earlier than he would have liked. Yeah, and uh, towards the end of his first stint as well, he said to Ferrari, let me know when I can start pushing. So mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't going to, uh, I guess, the full extent that he could at that point. So clearly he was sort of saving up, I think, quite a bit to mm-hmm. push towards the end of that first soft tyre stint. And, uh, but then, as you say, Bottas came in and Ferrari had to react to that. Um, Verstappen was 13 seconds off. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't even consider him being an option. Ironically, it was the pace management early in the race that sort of hid Mercedes' problems. It would become obvious when people started pushing towards the end of the race and the field started bunching up. Max Verstappen inherited the lead when only one more lap on his soft tyres uh, and then pitted uh, for new hards. And this is where suddenly the race turned in a completely different direction because Leclerc had stopped earlier than he could have was on used hard tyres as well. They weren't new hard tyres that he switched to. And Verstappen and that Red Bull car just seemed to be so happy on that compound. Just made absolute mincemeat of the top three in a way that, well, imagine if Hamilton had had that kind of performance or imagine if Leclerc had been able to run longer. Uh, he almost embarrassed them for how much faster he was than everybody else. Yeah, it was incredible. And I think, strangely, we, we didn't see this coming because of his FP2 crash on Friday. So mm-hmm. we couldn't look at any long runs and go, oh, Red Bull are looking good on the hard set. Um, he, he was just uh, on another planet to the rest of the field on Sunday and uh, yeah he had uh, I think uh, 10 lap 10 lap fresher tyres mm-hmm. compared to Leclerc which um, doesn't sound like a huge amount but as you say with Leclerc using used tyres as well that adds another few in and uh, he was able just to get 
get it all hooked up so so well and um, Leclerc said after the race that he was pretty disappointed overall with his race pace but it was the degradation on those hards through that stint that really really hurt him so for Verstappen just to be able to have I guess all the freedom to push and push and push mm-hmm. um, it was it was a masterful display coming through the field some lovely overtakes but um, also just really good management of his tyres because I mean he still had what 40 laps to go to get to the end mm-hmm. which is uh, yeah that's no small feat so yeah a massively impressive display from him so Max finally got his first win of the season but it would take him until Budapest to finally score his maiden career pole position converting it to victory however would prove more difficult the 2019 Hungarian Grand Prix was a thriller thanks in part to washed out practice leaving teams without any representative race pace data and Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes used the circumstances perfectly to run an unfavourable two-stop strategy to hunt down Verstappen and take the lead with only three laps remaining. But the result was in part decided by Verstappen's lack of teammate support, with Pierre Gasly stuck down the order unable to protect him from the aggressive strategy. I caught up with Racer Magazine's Chris Medlin to debrief the wild Hungarian weekend. It was one of those where maybe the lack of data did open up teams thinking they could do something on track, could actually make a move on track. Uh, whereas in the past, maybe they thought, right, it's all down to track position, let's just hold it. Um, and yeah, this year I think we just saw something a little bit different because the teams had that, that variable and that unknown. Max Verstappen scored his first career pole, which I actually can't believe we're saying. It almost seems, seems ridiculous. Nearly 100 races. Yeah. It, it, I'd, I, that was actually the question I put to him straight after qualifying I was like this is weird to say this is your first pole position multiple race winner mm-hmm. so exciting to watch clearly so quick over one lap it was crazy that he'd not had one before but he wasn't lined up alongside with Pierre Gasly who qualified only 6th and well it's still top 6 still on that same strategy the fact that the Ferraris were quite far back did emphasise that he underperformed in qualifying but more importantly considering the race prospects Mercedes 2 and 3 has an enormous strategic advantage before the race, of course, compared to one driver ahead. I mean, how much does that weigh on a lead like Max Verstappen's, considering there was no clear indication that Red Bull would be fast enough to hold them back in the first place? Yeah, I think Max would have been... He put a brave face on it afterwards, but he'd have been sat there a little bit annoyed that he didn't have a rear gunner. Um, Mercedes would have been delighted. The two drivers at Mercedes are the problem. They they will have sat there, and as the start of the race showed, but they'll have sat there after Saturday going, this is really good for us if I'm the lead car... Yeah on the first lap because you were realistically then going to be using car number two as Mm. the one to do something different and try and and mix it up so um, yeah Max will definitely have been uh, a bit frustrated by that and uh, certainly the way the rest of the weekend panned out that frustration I think only grew by the end of Sunday night we talked about uh, that potential dynamic uh, for the first stint of this race between those two drivers eliminated as a proposition almost immediately very small crashes for Valtteri Bottas enough to damage the front wing but then this became a, a straight fight between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and while after qualifying perhaps we thought Mercedes in the Red Bull racing car was evenly matched albeit without knowing long run simulations sort of became clear over this first stint that that wasn't the case and actually Mercedes had a bit of an upper hand here yeah definitely it was the fact that Lewis could follow so closely and drivers always talk about you know it's difficult to follow not just for the aerodynamic influence but things start to overheat if you're in the wake of another car and, and that was the problem Lewis did have with his, his brakes he was struggling slightly with but the fact he could just cruise up to the back of Max whenever he wanted to mm-hmm. showed that they had a, a clearly quicker much quicker car what was great to see was for a lot of that race we saw both cars going at it like pushing Mm -hmm. flat out really getting close to their limit of their potential Uh, certainly in the latter stint from Lewis but even then I think Max had sort of realised that his only way of winning the race was going to be by pushing rather than waiting and trying to fight him off so 
Yeah, it was it was one of those where it was quite clear early on that Mercedes had the upper hand, and that, that's why I'd say that Red Bull did a really good job to keep Max in the lead after the first round mm-hmm. of pit stops. I think that's where most people thought the race had been won. Yeah, considering most people thought, including Mercedes up to a certain point, that this was a one-stop race, when Hamilton wasn't ahead after that first stop, it seemed like that was going to be it, even though we were treated to maybe five or six laps of quite close racing immediately afterwards. Now, by lap 40, the the challenge had waned. Lewis was complaining of uh, overheating brakes due to to wear in that heat, as we mentioned. And Mercedes started considering what they were going to do to try and get him past, because the pace was so much greater than the Red Bull racing car. It seemed, of course, like an injustice to them that they could not be able to win the race. And hey, that's what racing's for. Uh, And by lap 46, actually, they'd made the decision, if not a little bit earlier, that Hamilton was going to stop. Because at this point, and Christian Horner said it after the race, there was not really anything they could do to respond or even preempt a second stop from Mercedes. The gap behind Hamilton and Max was so large that there was zero risk to this stop. He was either going to finish second or first. Uh, It's a pretty good 50-50 situation. Uh, and he made that second stop. One of the few times, I guess we could say, that someone has won in Hungary by doing the alternative strategy of being two stops. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's a strange way it played out in that sense. And that shows that you, that you can overtake if you can create a bit of an offset. But this all came down to, uh, as I think we've touched upon, the lack of a second car for either team mm-hmm. um, and the lack of pace from Ferrari. You just had such a massive window of, of space to play with that... Mercedes just had freedom it was it was literally a one-on-one race you might as well have had just the two cars on the track mm-hmm. um, traffic wasn't being a huge issue uh, like Max complained a few times or I think Christian more than anyone complained <laughs> a bit about, about traffic because um, Daniel did uh, Ricardo did come up to Max in the TV pen afterwards and, and uh, make a sincere apology to him mm-hmm. which I believe was about the time that, Ma- that Lewis almost got him uh, early in the second stint and Max like was laughing it off and he was <laughs> like don't worry about it and, and Daniel looked really like almost upset mm-hmm. that he'd potentially influence the race um, and I think Max was just like well it's, it is a tight track so it's not mm-hmm. easy to overtake so yeah once, once Mercedes made that call it was the amount of people that reacted at the time being surprised and, and then saying oh this, this might not pay off but as you say it, it was always going to pay off in the sense that they were going to be no worse off it, mm-hmm. was, it was a no lose situation they called it perfectly and, and also the timing of it because you needed to give Lewis enough time you needed to put enough pressure on Max you needed to make Red Bull think do we respond as well because uh, they, they they made the right call at the right time so that when Red Bull had half a lap to wonder and Max to say you know do we respond or we should respond uh, and Red Bull could just watch it and think no we've, it's kind of a checkmate move here we've, mm-hmm. we've only got one card to play so um, that's exactly what strategy should be I think that teams should be looking at each other and I think it was direct strategy team on team car mm-hmm. on car which is at, sometimes either we can't pick it out because it's in a messier race or teams aren't able to do it because there's so many other factors they have to take into account mm-hmm. so uh, yeah that was, that was quite cool to see and, and clearly it paid off that was 2019 but what should we expect in 2020 the first race back from Formula 1's COVID-19 induced hiatus presents one of the least knowable scenarios imaginable in the sport there are obviously no recent races on which to base form and pre-season testing was so long ago that the cars run at the Red Bull ring will bear little resemblance to those deployed at wintry Barcelona, with some teams bringing as many as three rounds of upgrades. That said, pre-season testing suggested Mercedes continues to lead the way from Red Bull Racing. And though Max Verstappen has won the last two races in Austria, on both occasions the German markers had some legitimate excuses, with poor reliability and cooling crueling its chances. Hungary may in fact present Red Bull Racing a better opportunity to challenge. The team is typically competitive at the downforce-dependent Hungaro ring, where engine performance is also less important. 
And what role Ferrari plays remains to be seen. Testing was inconclusive, and we won't know how much power unit performance the team's been able to retain through its controversial off-season until we get to qualifying. So who'll strike first in the battle for 2020? I'll be back over the next three weeks to analyse all the action from Austria, twice, and Hungary. Until then, you can subscribe to the Strategy Report wherever you ordinarily get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. My name's Michael Amanato. I hope you're keeping safe and well, and I'll catch you next week for a review of the Austrian Grand Prix.